it's okay to love your art. Just don't love your art. We watched Deep Dark, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen, if you thought you had seen it all. Welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoven. I am joined here in person by Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I am vaccinated and I am well. As am I. Brian, You, we are not with you in person because you are where? I'm in Virginia, but that means I'm vaccinated. Yes. So uh, we will be together in person soon. And we are a little late with this episode because <laughs> April was sort of fraught with disaster and activity. Yeah, so uh, activity-wise, our uh, previous landlord went on an ayahuasca retreat, came back, enlightened, sold everything that she owned, including our house. (laughs) And so we had to find a new place in the middle of the pandemic. And then during the move, I broke two bones in my ankle. And so (laughs) that was two weeks ago. And uh, I have since undergone surgery with plates and pins and all the things. And I'm on the mend. And so uh, we've had some delays, but... Uh, I think this movie, uh, you know, will will uh, stand up to that. <laughs> will be worth the weight of the discussion. Totally worth the so, weight. So yes, uh, it'll stand up, unlike Mark. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can hop around on one foot. So we watched a movie called Deep Dark. I forgot to to recheck when this movie was made, but it was like 2007, 15. 15. Okay, 2015. So, so a, a fairly recent movie and one that I don't know that any of us had heard of until Brian dropped the, the uh, this is on Amazon Prime, by the way, so you can watch Deep Dark on Amazon Prime. And if you, I think, uh, Brian and Mark, you would suggest probably watching this movie because it, I'm you guys seem to be in favor I, I liked this movie, but okay. you can watch it for free on Tubi and Vudu uh, oh, okay. as well. And so if I and IMDb TV and IMDb TV. Wow, TV, this movie is out there. It's it, out there everywhere. It was funny because the first time I watched, I watched it on Amazon Prime, and the first time I watched it, I was like, okay. And then I went to rewatch, and I'm like, what are all these ads doing in it? And like, it was weird because the first time there wasn't a single ad break, huh. and the second time there was like 50 unskippable 45 <laughs> second ads, so that did not add to the problem. But yeah, you can watch it anywhere. So I would suggest that if you are a fan of whatever genre, horror, sci-fi, fantasy. I would not say I was a fan necessarily. I tell you, I feel like that meme where it's that guy at a college campus and he has a sign that says, I hate deep dark. Change my mind. (laughs) Well, it's funny to be. I feel like the burden of proof is now on Mark. (laughs) And I'm okay with that. And I might even... uh, bring in a third party reference a little bit later to to help uh persuade you all well i i will say so uh brian you drop tease there (laughs) guarantees guarantees brian you you found found the movie and dropped the link in there and as i often like to do i just like to uh, just go find it, know nothing about it. So I did not read the description. I think I'd seen the poster, so I kind of knew it was going to be some something uh, in in a genre that is not usually seen <laughs> seen by us. And I watched it and mouth agape many times. And the next day, uh, I the the house that I work in has a twenty year old. Um, college kid in it and i went to him and i said uh who he's a kind of a surrealism he loves twin peaks and david lynch and and kind of those things and i was like i want you to go watch this movie i don't want you to look at anything the description or anything and i would just like you (laughs) so it was enough for me to want to discuss or talk about this movie right away so i will also kind of probably fall down mostly where brian is where I enjoyed watching this movie. I don't know if I liked it. <laughs> but this, this movie reminds me of a movie I would have found on my own in college and then worn it as like a badge of honor and proud <laughs> that I had found it. Exactly. Exactly. There, There's no like premier notable actors that you've seen in other things, uh, you know, uh, the the lead actor he's been in some other Portland related stuff like Grimm and and uh, some things but there's no like 
star power right. necessarily and no big special effects that you know it's very minimal. and it's i mean it's clearly a, a low a lower budget indie film but it yeah. looks and feels like a real movie unlike i mean that was kind of the first thing that grabbed me because especially with portland the movies movies you literally never know what level of competency you're going to stumble <laughs> upon so like very rarely do we go into a movie and you're like Oh, this is like a real movie. This is, you know, I will have to adjust my expectations a little differently from Forest Warrior and, you know, whatever to uh, to this movie. So who would like to take uh, take the lead? Mark, well, I, I'll take the lead. Yeah. On this. Why don't you take us through this? So uh, so the, the protagonist of the movie uh, is um, the uh, the character Herman. And Herman is living at home in his basement, and he's an artist, a starving artist who's pretty terrible. And uh, he has his mom upstairs saying, "You got to get a job. You got to get out of here. You got to, you know, call your uncle. He's a successful artist." And Herman's like, "What the heck? He's a hack artist. He was doing hack things until all of a sudden, for some reason, he hit it rich, and..." Um, and so he's a total hack. Well, uh, takes on a little bit further. He fails uh, a couple times more, and he calls up his uncle. His uncle says, "You know what? You need to move out and move into this little uh, uh, little bedroom, uh, th this studio apartment that I own, and uh, that is where you will be able to dedicate to your art and become successful." By the way, it's eight hundred dollars a month. And he's like, I don't have that money. And uh, he hems and haws, and he decides, I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to dive in, borrow some money, gets into the apartment, or gets into the studio, goes there, and then um, he's struggling with his art, toiling over his art, and then all of a sudden there's a message that comes through the hole in the wall through a little string. He pulls the string, and a little message says, hey, I can help you. And uh, he's like, what do you mean you can help me? Uh -oh. Who is Sean and why is he connecting to our audio? Is that? Hello. Hello, Sean McGrath, the lead of the movie <laughs> uh, that we are reviewing all, right now. Of all the gin joints and all the. <laughs> <laughs> of all the hole in the wall places to show up in, you're here at Portland at the movie. Hello. Uh, yeah, just randomly stumbling across this Zoom link. So it's like, very it's fortuitous. Like completely, completely coincidental that you guys are talking about this movie. Wow. So Sean McGrath is uh, the star of this movie, and, and he plays the the character Herman that we were just uh, uh, doing the the. Uh, talk about yes and i emailed uh sean earlier today and said hey <laughs> you wouldn't have any time to join us would you and he said well i'm running errands and so there's going to be things in the background going on but i would love to join you for the for a brief uh cap of, of this movie and so both uh todd workhoven the my co-host and brian the unipiper kid are uh mouth open agape as we're <laughs> Uh, having uh, I'm positively reeling. <laughs> One of the only times is I've been it speechless. customary to have uh, an actor. No, it drop, is drop in on these. No, on these recaps. No, it it's is not. not customary for anyone to know this show exists, <laughs> let alone us having guests. I'm glad we're breaking new ground here. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I will have to say we're just kind of getting into. Uh, we just started the, the discussion and have talked a little bit about the movie. Uh, I will say whatever you know, we end up coming down on on the movie. I will say your performance was fantastic. I thought all of the performances yep. in this movie were really really great so congratulations well, on that well yeah i can give you guys kind of like a little uh, overview you can you could do a little q a i could give you guys some questions i don't know how you yeah. came upon this but i'm <laughs> guessing it's it's the portland connection is that right it is the portland connection and so right. brian uh how did you find this movie originally do you remember so this is about the 50th movie that we've watched that uh, has been shot in portland and these movies going down the imdb rabbit hole through the actors who this actor was in this movie and this actor was in this movie so we just stumbled our way into uh, deep dark and the tagline just sold it for us <laughs> what what was the tagline do you remember brian uh yeah yeah uh an inspired really sculptor like falls in love with a talking hole in the wall when it starts to produce award-winning art <laughs> 
which is a good summary. So I guess I'll start with a question that I actually had written down in my notes. And this was, uh, I believe, towards the end of the movie when when things with the wall uh, progress. And I wondered, how does a director sell this to an actor so that it's not like you know that the that the product that's going to end up like this movie uh, made more of that than you know it wasn't a gross exploitive like crazy weird thing that's going to end up as a gif on the internet it was like part of a legitimate movie and it was yeah. as really integral so how does he sell that to you in a way that you're like okay i can see what he's seeing and not like this is going to be a disaster yeah, I mean, I think that going into any project with a priority of avoiding potential gifts is <laughs> impossible. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I, I think if you approach like any project you do, just going like, well, I hope there isn't a soundbite here. I hope there isn't, uh, you know, like three seconds of footage that could be muted and turned into something that can easily be attached to a text. Yes. Fair uh, enough. You, you, there's, you're just, yeah, you're, you're dead before you begin. So <laughs> there wasn't anything like that. I mean, I will say, um, I had seen Michael's short film prior to this. I believe it's called kitty kitty. Okay. And this was his debut feature. Nice. So I had seen kitty kitty and I had been, okay. Like this is a guy who has, like a vision he has you know he has a, an, a, a perspective on things and so approaching any project if there's somebody who is you know i, I wouldn't say um you know uh unrelenting on on compromise or or you know bullish on you know working with someone on on maybe changing a few things as the project goes on but like Hey, this is my vision. This is what I hope to do. Like, that's really exciting for an actor and not just like, Hey, we need to get this out and try to make a few bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I went for, I believe the audition for this was at a bar. I didn't know Michael before this. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just coincidentally it worked out in terms of like my schedule and what, what I was working on at the time. I'm in New York now, but Gotcha. Okay. Uh, I had been living in Portland and, you know, going into this project, it was, I mean, uh, I had to maintain a full-time job while shooting this movie, wow. which meant that I had to do my full-time job um, prior to reporting to the set at nine in the morning. Wow. Oh, wow. And, and then uh, at the end of the day, say six o'clock, I had to come back and work until you know obviously nine or ten o'clock at night <laughs> and i was living in i was kind of living like for like back off you know uh west burnside near you know past pittock mansion gotcha at this place oh, so, wow. and coming into coming into shoot coming into work i was so strung out i was probably working you know on the movie 10 hours and then my other job somewhere between six and eight hours I barely had time to eat and all that is like shown in my face through the duration of this film. <laughs> they needed no makeup. <laughs> That's really interesting. I, you, uh, the, there was a lot of turmoil in your character as, uh, you know, the struggle between, you know, being this quote unquote failing artist and then having this muse reveal and, and become this relationship and and have all these needs you know it's almost a genie story where uh they're giving you the the magic uh but that magic comes with a big hook and yeah, uh yeah. and your face definitely showed the torment that uh was presented to you so that makes a little more sense of uh, your toil. Yeah, going through everything that in the apartment was shot at kind of an abandoned haunted house up on Jansen Beach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we know. The so world. they had got one of these haunted houses. You know, we were shooting, I think, around April, May of 2013. So we're shooting at this thing. You know, it was it basically just looked like a, uh, you know, like a, a meth lab when we showed up. <laughs> They got it uh, art directed to look like this apartment. And so the first two weeks of shooting was all the apartment. Like we just shot out the script, everything that has to do with the apartment. 
And then, of course, we went back after that and did all the location stuff and art gallery stuff. So this was not a, you know, uh, a, a shooting order style of movie. Right. It was all over the place. Um, but the, the hardest part for me was Denise, who is the voice of the whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, when you look her up, she's the voice of Aeon Flux. Yes. Yes from uh, liquid television she wasn't there of course (laughs) i never met her (laughs) so i am you know acting with a producer or production assistant and in in one case an actor for the day um who's reading a line so connecting with her was impossible it was just like yeah it was very like just trying to do my best to connect with you know obviously when you act across from someone you even if there's no lines you can read them you can work off their their body language there's none of that of course <laughs> wow. there's no body <laughs> right uh, so the challenge was to act with no body but also like not really the the actor not really the voice someone who was reading lines so uh well and i finding those places were where I could, you know, really kind of focus and connect. It took a while to get there. And, you know, thankfully, Michael is one of those directors who, um, you know, works with you until you kind of get to that spot before they start shooting. Wow. And I will say, I mean, we've, like Brian mentioned, we've done like 50 movies. And and before you came on, we were talking about how one of the things that struck me when I saw this movie was like, oh, this looks like a real movie. Like most of the stuff that we review is like ultra low budget, you know, often terrible and all that. And, and I, I will have to say, even watching from an eye of like, oh, I can make little jokes about this. Never once did I consider, oh, yeah, he's there's no one acting with him. Like you sold that so well, it did not even occur to me, which, of course, like if I would have thought about it, like, of course, Todd, there's no one in the wall. So, of course, <laughs> I mean, in, no... in, a, in a perfect world, they have the budget that can bring sure. Denise in. Oh, and sure. She can be behind the wall. She can be in the room. Uh, it just wasn't feasible, of course. This is, you know, an ultra, ultra, ultra low. She could get in a uh, mocap, and... a mocap suit so that they can computer generate her <laughs> performance everything. into yeah, the wall. I've done, I've done some mocap work. With, oh, uh, cool. With uh, Red Dead Redemption 2, and I was a bad guy in Grand Theft Auto 5. Yeah. So I am very familiar with the skin tight bodysuit. <laughs> wow. Uh, with the ping pong balls, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> I, very little, leaves very little to the imagination. I like imagining um, that your uh, stand in for the voice on set was like Patty or Selma from The Simpsons and just this real. <laughs> Oh yeah, these love scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I think there was one day where they had um called a favor and they'd gotten an actor to come in and, and do the lines. But for the most part it was it was somebody from production who, you know, not an actor. It was and, the, the guy in charge of enforcing the union breaks. Yeah, it was yeah, it was the guy. I got some odd for you. <laughs> I love you, Harvey. Exactly. All I want from you is a little in exchange. Yeah. It was, it, <laughs> Oh, I have a, a, uh, a props question. What were the little pieces of quote unquote art that the little the, the little globs of art? What did they make those out of? Yeah, I mean, it, you got to really hand it to like Christina Cordum, who's done work on pretty much every show, television show that's filmed in in Portland, like Grimm, uh, for coming up with a lot of that stuff. She did all the practical effects with the with the hole, with the, you know, any type of blood that would come up. It was her special, special recipe. And yeah, she would just work on these little orbs. I guess that was, you know, a big conversation kind of before I showed up between her and Michael about what they kind of need to look like. I don't think it's really important what they look like as much as it was, of course, about what they emote and what they, what they conjure up for people. I think like that's, you know, it could have been replaced with, metal balls that that hung or vibrated and you probably would have got away the same thing i think having it look a little organic implied that there was some type of you know extraterrestrial yeah well and i would have been i would have been disappointed if it was something that wasn't gross and weird and strange and unexplainable like that like if it just if the whole mobile came out of the wall like finished that would have been much more disappointing than the the gross weirdness that it was producing yeah i think like and that's always a a battle i think you you have with yourself when you go into the horror genre is how much do we want to explain how much do we want to just leave open to the interpretation of the audience 
right going totally. into this like it was very much like okay well you know i sat down with michael before we started shooting and i said oh what about this what about that what about you know having kind of these explanations you know maybe give a little bit of ambiguity but what if you know one one of my ideas was like what if herman we don't know if this wall ever exists and yeah he's he's crazy and like when he these people die it's actually herman you know vis-a-vis sort of mrs mrs bates right um he's so depressed and he's so detached and he's so desperate for attention that maybe he has created this this alter ego in the form of his inspiration he has created his own muse because there isn't one and so we wrestled back and forth with that i mean i think it even while we were shooting we're like do we leave it open at the very end but i know michael again part of being you know having your vision and sticking to it was no i want to make sure that like um that we are very clear on this one that we that this is some paranormal weird dimensional thing period yeah right. yeah interesting and and i think you subtly nailed it like when the first organic orb came out of the wall and you added it to kind of a, a shitty thing that was already there and then by placing it there everything came into balance and yeah. all of a sudden looked decent you're like oh it just needed that one magic orb uh, to to come alive uh, yeah, and yeah. and obviously that affects people, you know, at the gallery, and from there on, it, you know, there, there's your movie, as they say. Totally, totally. Uh, were there any like surprising moments during filming, or or notable, uh, you know, uh, crazy stories. things that stories that you've got? Uh, sh- yeah, sure. I'll tell you a good one that's gonna come back and haunt me. Um, <laughs> that's the one. First of all, I mean, like going into this project, it was like you know, juggling this other job that I couldn't, I couldn't get out of, I couldn't quit. I couldn't take the the vacation days. I had to kind of get my hours in over there and do the work over there while simultaneously shooting this, um, added, you know, as you would imagine, this, uh, ample amount of stress, not getting enough sleep, barely eating. I mean, all, it all played these contributing factors. Um, so needless to say, I don't know if we've, we've, uh, uh, anybody in the room here wants to raise their hand, but the culminating fight scene between me and Tabor Helton, who is a really good actor. A lot of the actors that Michael had uh, in this film were stage actors. Okay. Um, Just as a side note, one of my favorite actors in Portland is a guy named Don Alder. He appears as that like sidewalk art seller. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He is phenomenal. Uh, if you ever get a chance to see him on stage in the Portland huh. area, I would highly recommend it. Um, but Ann Source, um, who played my love interest, um, Monica Graves, my mother, Mary Mack. I mean, they're all like Portland stage titans. So it was great to have that to play with because um, I didn't have that with the whole. Right. But um, <laughs> we get to this, we get to this fight scene and. You know, I've trained jujitsu a little bit. I have a little, you know, like like every, you know, American kid. I took like four classes of karate when I was little. <laughs> um, but I had in this fight scene where I was getting thrown around, I had a hemorrhoid. Oh no! <laughs> I've never had one before. I've never had one since. But I could barely move. They are crippling. And oh yeah one, i did not want to wow. do anything other than find the cushion and and just camp out for the day and instead you know a fight scene everybody around me is tapping their watch you know we gotta go we gotta shoot this thing we have one more day left in the space before it oh. you know turns into like a summer haunted you know experience attraction oh my gosh um so that was i mean in terms of like just fighting down on the mouthpiece and getting through it. That was probably one of the hardest things I've had to wow, do in, wow. in shooting. Um, and the uh, Tabor, he's a sweet guy and I love him to pizza uh, pieces, but boy, he hit me hard <laughs> with one of those right hands. And I, I always ask, you know, it's always good to know if you've grown up with siblings. <laughs> okay. Because if you've grown up with siblings, you kind of know where the boundaries are with roughhousing sure you know to kind of like 
you know, pull your punches a little bit, you know, to avoid the face. There are things that are just fundamentally part of your upbringing. Um, I think Tabor was an only child. He went at me. He went at me like I owed him money. The only child of an MMA fighter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I didn't sign up for that. But he, when he throws me up against the wall before the whole, you know, attacks him before I push him off me, he clocks me with a right hand and... Um, you know, there, just for a brief second, I, I saw stars. He got me, he got me pretty wow. good. And I went to Michael and, you know, they, they cut and I said, you know, did you get that? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I got it. And I said, um, we'll be sure you use it because he, <laughs> he, he got me good. And wow. the irony of that is that it doesn't look like he really hit me. Oh, no. <laughs> so it does make the, the film, but it doesn't look like he not, contacted Yeah, I mean, the best thing that you can do when you're doing a, you know, when you're shooting a fight scene and you need a punch is you actually remove the frame where the impact happens. Oh, interesting. So you find that frame in the punch where the knuckles hit the chin and you take it out. Okay. Because when the actual, when, you, when your eye perceives it, it, that snap of the chin left or right, it moves even faster. So there uh, really is that nice impact. So wherever it is, even if it's, you know, a fake punch and you're, and you're, you know, you're six inches in front of the guy's face, if you're shooting from behind, it'll look like you're hitting him when you take out that frame. Wow. Um, that's, it, I'm, I'm the they type left of- it in, they left it in, of course they left in the punch. Uh, and I was like, Oh, you know what? I really wish that looked a lot better. <laughs> I love that little editing fact of taking out that that one frame. That's something that I am just learning now, and it's blowing my mind. But I will endlessly repeat, like I've known it forever. Like I'm, oh well, did you know that they removed the one frame? And I'll just be <laughs> tedious about it. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is like in the Bible of uh, you know of, of fight uh, films and, and movies. If you want to take cool. that out, just to have a little bit more of that kinetic energy of a punch. Oh, that's right. great. Uh, so that yeah, that's a little story about that fight scene. I think like. Either that scene or the one where uh, Denise loses her fingers was was the last shot. And we worked, we had to be out of that space by you know nine a.m. the next day. So on our last last day there, we worked until four thirty or four forty-five uh, in the morning. Wow! Wow! You know, we were supposed to be wrapped by five six o'clock, and we were like, we're, we don't have it. We're you know Francisco who shot the thing is a perfectionist you i don't know how to how to like say this um politely but you cannot have a perfectionist cinematographer if you are on a budget right if you were shooting you know for under 100k or whatever it is like you need somebody who's like okay we got it's good enough let's move on so the battle between Michael, the producers, and the DP was kind of a constant thing throughout filming. Interesting. Of like, is it good enough? No, it's not right. We need like a, you know, 10K to come in here. I want to filter on this. Setting up each of those shots, and I would argue like all the stuff in the apartment where he had the most control are some of the best, you know, that's that's the, where he would make his money. Yeah, absolutely. The yeah, the movie looked great. in that apartment, he makes it look just so awful and, and depressing and, and and that's where the time went to a lot of it it was me rehearsing you know in the in the back rooms until you know michael and, and francisco had the shot ready and then i'd come in we would do one or two takes and we would move on uh francisco bulgarelli though i mean this this like argentine dp i'd never met him before but boy he uh he made that thing really shine. So it does was, not look. It does not look like a cheap horror movie. No, it does not. It, the The visuals on on it are fantastic. It feels gritty. It feels raw, and uh, well, I, it feels. I like it. it feels gross. Like gross, you're suppo- yeah. Like you're supposed to feel. Yeah, you're like you're not walking out of that room without hand sanitizer. Like being your next stop. In the age of COVID, this was like an extra nightmare. <laughs> totally, totally. Yeah, there was just a. There was just like a a white glove grime pretty much to every surface of that place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, you know, and I had, you know, I think six t-shirts that kind of were, they were treated and, and, uh, you know, got, went through, um, costume department really add that kind of like lived in stain yeah. and decrepitness. And we didn't, you know, they weren't washed after that. It was, that, <laughs> that thing was, 
That thing was cardboard stiff by the end of that. Show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one uh, question. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So then we like there was, I think a, a a hiatus in production for a while, and then you know some more money needed to be raised. So I think like we finally finished the film. Hmm, like maybe early fall 2013. I know that there was like a big break right before, right at the end of June. And then, and then we came back to it. And I, I can't remember quite what the shooting order was there, but yeah, there, it wasn't like a straight through, like here's a 21 day shoot and then we're done. It was, we're shooting this for a month. We're going to come back. We're going to do some other stuff, pickups and whatnot. Gotcha. Brian, did you have a question? I was going to ask uh, because it, it wasn't made clear. I don't think in the film, we always want to know for these movies, you know, that are shot in Portland, is it supposed to be Portland or did the location, was it not addressed? It didn't really matter. I got this. Yeah. I got the sense. I, I don't think it's ever mentioned. I think it's just once he just wanted it to be kind of air, any mid-sized American city. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That was the sense I got watching yeah, I mean, I think if you wanted to do the Portland, you know, stamp, you could have put in, you know, those places that Easily. we know as, 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 you know, both residents and visitors to the city. I lived in Portland from 02 or 03 to 2016, and then I moved out to New York. Got it. But, you know, there's, I think there's an apartment on Stark and 15th that yep. I would recognize, which was the exteriors for what we did. Yeah, um, I, I found that. Herman's. Herman's mother's house, I think, is Michael's house. Oh. So he, you know, as a director, he put up his own house for us to shoot. <laughs> wow. Uh, the, yeah, there's like an, I think the art gallery is the top of Pioneer Place. Yep. Yeah. What about, um, um, you know, the, uh, I for, I'm forgetting the, the female character's name, her apartment that had the big 134 on the door, the fancy. Yeah, 134. <laughs> Where was that? Uh, I'm pretty sure that was like northeast Portland, maybe somewhere around like Knot or Deacon and Tenth. Okay, yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking somewhere. I was like, that seems like something off of Williams, like the gentrified Williams area. So I'll have to go investigate that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was northeast. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of the other locations. It was, you know, when I think back about that movie, I just remember like the two week. Sure. Uh, you know, Navy SEAL boot camp that was that uh, <laughs> that was that haunted house. That's so crazy. Was that you know just pulling up? <clears throat> yeah, there's like a Mexican restaurant there. There's uh, you know I think a maybe like a maybe a Red Lobster. There's <laughs> I think Hooters is still up there. Yep. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. At Jansen Beach, they when the mall was winding down, they shifted a lot of the mall facilities into a haunted house for several years. So I imagine that it was done inside Jansen beach mall in, in one of those suites in there. Maybe? Yeah, yeah, that must be it. I mean, it was, it was, yeah, it was certainly a, a one level. Yeah. We had kind of the run of the place. Um, you know, I think uh, the person who our contact there who just kind of had to be on set the whole time was 17. <laughs> <laughs> trying to explain yeah, was, to his mom every night what he's doing. No, it's a movie, oh yeah, I swear. The, <laughs> he he could not have cared less. He was, uh, you know, he had a position of authority. He had a walkie-talkie. That's all you really needed to give that kid. <laughs> Coupons did, did to the Bean plaid pantry this, across the road. Did Bean in this movie open any unexpected doors for you? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. I think maybe that's because, you know, I don't know what the, the quote unquote box office returns on something like this were. We, you know, I, I didn't know where it played. I think everybody in, in Portland who, who knew me didn't know me from this. I had worked 10 years as part of Livewire, which oh, gotcha. uh, oh, okay. part of, yeah, PRI. And that's kind of how people knew me is I was the guy from Livewire. I was one of the faces for radio theater. We were called sort of the sketch comedy troupe. Yeah, oh my yeah, gosh, yeah, you're totally. right. I do recognize you from Livewire now that you <laughs> did your voice and your I knew I'd seen you somewhere. You just nailed it. That's yeah, I had done uh, Livewire from 2005 to 
2015. And in that time, you know, obviously there were TV shows that would come up like Grimm and Leverage that I would be on. And the movies that would come up would be, you could maybe get in a movie. Like I knew that I was very close on a couple. One was called Gone with Amanda Seyfried, which I don't know if you guys have tackled. Not yet. Another one I believe was called... Uh, I can't remember the name of it. I think it might be Extraordinary Measures. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Was that with Harrison Ford? Harrison Ford and Brendan Fraser? Yes. 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 Although I think he would get upset and ask you to pronounce it Fraser. Fraser. Yeah. Fraser. I think at this point um, he would be glad we're calling his name, <laughs> let alone correct us in yeah, how he, we're saying it. Yeah, he'd probably be pretty desperate to come on here. And talk to you <laughs> we guys. could probably have him as our next guest. <laughs> you guys might have to like not take his call. <laughs> uh, but oh, and you yeah, like you would get, you would, you you as an actor in Portland, like you would maybe be up for the five and underlines, the, you know, the day player kind of stuff, but there was never anything that you could really sink your teeth into right? in terms of like a Hollywood film or a bigger budget right. film. You did make it into um, two of the three twilights. I did make it into two or three twilights. Although you have to kind of keep your eyes open, you know, uh, clockwork orange style. To see me. <laughs> uh, you know, that was, you know, and that was just sheer blind luck because nobody thought that twilight was going to be big. Right. Back then. You know, you come in, I think the, the original idea was to hire two bad guys and Catherine Hardwick, the director, just liked how we all kind of auditioned together. And the idea was there's four of us auditioning together. She's going to pick her top two and she's like, screw it. I just want all of them. <laughs> and so she made kind of an executive rewrite just to double the amount of frat boys in Twilight. And of course, the rest is history. And we, you know, if you if you discount or take away all the make-believe stuff of Twilight, we are the most dangerous part of Twilight. <laughs> I can see that. Because vampires and werewolves aren't real. <laughs> uh, a bunch of drunk rap boys. Definitely. Terrifying. Definitely terrifying. Very real. And that was shot, just as a side note, I mean, that was shot up in St. Helens. Yeah. Right. And, and we shot that, you know, between, I think, midnight and 8 o'clock. And, of course, back then, like, it was the... The, the daughter from Panic Room and, <laughs> and, and British one guy. Of the, yeah, and like one of the guys from Harry Potter. Uh, Harry Potter, right? <laughs> Cedric and, Diggory is going to lead a movie? Yeah, and I, I, kept, I had misremembered um, how I knew Robert Pattinson. I like heard that he swims in the Harry Potter movie and I heard that he was in Harry Potter movie and he dies. So when I was telling people about Twilight, I'm like, it's the it's the kid who drowns in Harry Potter. And there would be nothing but quizzical looks because there's not a kid who drowns in Harry Potter. I had just merged the kid who swims to the kid who and the kid who dies. So you know, even more, you know, even more uh weird expressions on people's faces even before our Pattinson was a name. That's hilarious. Our Pats. Uh, but yeah, in terms of, uh, I don't know what the original question that was on, on deep dark went off of my twilight run there, but yeah, I had, I don't think I had gotten any legitimate, you know, calls or, or inquiries after that, just simply because there just wasn't, a lot right. shooting around that time. Did they bring this to work? Did they bring this movie to festivals or did they just try to release it? Or do you know anything about how it yeah, kind of, you know, I think, yeah, that's where it first started. When you have a movie like this, obviously the festival circuit is what you want to do. So I think it showed up on, um, is it like the fan Magoria or Phantasmagoria? Oh, festival? I think wow. That, that's a blast. That's from the past. Maybe where, where it premiered something like that. Uh, I didn't make any festival appearances. Um, you know, I, and I, but I didn't also just sit by the phone and hope that it would ring. <laughs> right, um, right. I was busy with Livewire. I was in a sketch, uh, uh, a sketch group called Live, uh, sorry, uh, Sweat, and then I started a sketch group called Bath Night, and I was doing a lot of comedy. So, like, I was pretty busy without this coming up, um, without turning my life around. Right. I know I wasn't expecting it to happen, and and that movie is is not what did it. I remember when I was debating. <laughs> taking this movie, I had read the script and I had been like, well, you know, I think this can go any number of ways. I had a, uh, a, a mentor of mine and a fellow actor. He read the script 
And I said, what do you think? And he said, well, um, it's in your wheelhouse. I think you could pull it off. And I said, you know, do you have any, uh, you know, hesitation to kind of doing something like this? Obviously, when, um, when a, a film is asking you to put a, your, your dick in the wall, there's a little bit of hesitation on whether or not you want to do that. And thankfully, that didn't become the, the gift that we all use now. Right, right. Um, you know, I think a couple of people asked me about that. And I go, you know, I really, I didn't actually. Do that, right? Oh, you're not method? <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, they didn't need the, the punch in close up. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's called make believe. I'm not really, I don't really have a whole. Um, not in my Photoshop. No, exactly. Um, but he said, look, you, you know, this is a lead in a movie. Whatever you do after this, you're going to learn so much. Yeah. From this experience, just having that amount of time in front of the camera. And again, like there's really not a wealth of opportunities in Portland, sadly, where you can have that amount of time in front of the camera. And Absolutely. After watching the film, I mean, it would be, I'm, I'm telling you, every actor kind of says this, but I'll say it again. I thought, great, now let's shoot it for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I can watch that movie and I can go, okay, now I know what to do. Like, right, now sure. I see what it looks like and I can go back and let's, let's shoot, do it for real now. And I think, like, every actor kind of has that, um, has that, you know, unfortunate level of thinking, you know, George Lucas will actually go back and redo it. (laughs) Well, and it's different too. I mean, if you're, especially if you're used to being uh, a stage actor as well, you have that opportunity to be like, Oh, I've done this several times now. And now I can really kick up that performances during this next run or whatever. It's not quite the, the hard stop that something like filming a movie is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, the mentor that I had, you know, friend and mentor that I had asked about this, he's, he said the same thing. He's like, you know, you, you do it, you learn from it, you move on. It's, you know, you, it's like losing your virginity, you know, you get it done, even if it's messy. (laughs) And then once, once it's through, you can be better the next time. Right. Right. Wow. That's hilarious. But Because there were so many Portland stage actors in that, I'm sure we all kind of had that of like that thinking of, Oh my God, like we did two takes and we're done. (laughs) We're, we're moving on. We're checking the gate. We're moving right, on. Right. Like, we were just getting warmed up. That's all you get. And so there's anytime you have like a low budget thing where you, have, you know, you're constantly looking at that clock, you have that battle of like, did we get it the way we want or do we have to move on? Yeah. Yeah. There's and well, it's like the being a perfectionist. You, you don't have that. You don't have that ability. You have to get what is, good enough and hopefully a little better than good enough and just keep going. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm sure like, you know, I'm sure that happens on, you know, an Avengers movie or something where there is really no budget. Right. Right. You know, I heard, you know, recently that, um, Fincher shot 100 takes of a scene in Mank. That's so crazy. And, you know, but Fincher isn't doing Captain Marvel too. <laughs> right. right. I wish he was because I, I would, wish he would too, then yeah. I would be interested. <laughs> yeah, Amanda Seyfried said she had she had no lines in that in that scene and they did it a hundred times. Jeez. Until he got until he got what he wanted. And I think the line I remember was um Gary Oldman saying to David Fincher in exasperation, David, we've done this a hundred bloody times. And he goes, Yep, and this is a hundred and one. Places. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! Oh, I, I, I think Tommy Wiseau is uh, doing a hundred takes of his scene, <laughs> so that's not a guaranteed recipe for success. No, you're right. Yeah, and yeah, but then again, he also cameras. seemed to have the, uh, the an unlimited budget as well somehow. But I guess that's a different story. <laughs> uh, well, and he's directing himself, right? So exactly. Of, yeah, which I, I feel is, is somewhat impossible to do. And I, I would say result the result of his film also proves that. So yeah, I mean, if Exhibit A. What uh, do you have any projects that you're working on currently, or things that we can look forward to with you? Uh, well, you know, I, I did. I guess that before the world fell apart, yeah, yeah there yeah. was you know, 2020 was actually looking to be a kind of fun year. I I did a lot of stage after Deep Dark in Portland, and then I had this opportunity to come to New York, and I took it. And since then, you know, I, I've dabbled with. Any number of things the last year was spent mostly doing uh, acting in TV commercials. 
Mm-hmm. So you can see me in Bud Light, uh, FanDuel, TD Bank. Nice, nice. Uh, things like that. Yeah, yeah all fine. that stuff you can check on my website at heyshawnmcgrath.com. But Perfect. I've done, since, you know, Deep Dark, I became somewhat of a, of a director, not just with sketch comedy, but with commercials as well. So I've, I've kind of worn a lot of hats since Deep Dark. And I think that's kind of what, how you put food on the table in this business is when the acting is slow, you direct. And when the yeah. directing is slow, you write. And then when the writing is slow, hopefully you get a commercial. Right, right. So it's, it's a weird thing to be in a city right now that is built around that industry and have it all kind of holding its breath and wondering what will happen and when, when it will happen. Yeah. You know, we're all just kind of stretching and waiting for the starter pistol here. Wow. Brian, you had one more question. Oh, I was going to tell Sean that I seem to remember, tell me if I'm remembering this right. I, but I remember a live wire sketch where you played uh, the voice of a GPS in a car. Was, does that sound familiar? So there might okay. Well, there was certainly a couple of things. There was there was like a passive aggressive GPS. There was also one was we it. did called the Swan Song 2000, which was a kind of OnStar that detects when you've been in a fatal car crash and will override whatever song's playing, so that it plays like Glenn Miller and big band movie uh, music, so you have a more cinematic death. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have thought about that like so nobody, much. Nobody wants to die to Barbie Girl by Aqua or, <laughs> or Right Said Fred. So if like your airbags are deployed, if the car is upside down, if there's like leaking gasoline. And, you know, I think there was a, a, a woman in the scene after the accident who says, you know, I can see my own neck. Uh, you would have, you know, Swan Song 2000 enabled. <laughs> And it would, you know, it played like in the mood or, you know, Pennsylvania six five hundred or whatever, and, whatever chart topper from nineteen thirty seven. And and what was the passive aggressive GPS? What what would uh, it, it passive like, aggressive it, GPS? It was a, yeah, it was a GPS that like could detect, um, you know, that sounds like you're heading to Robert's house. I thought you broke up three weeks ago. <laughs> that was it. Yep. That was it. Yeah. It's. That's I'm sure that I. But I'm really I glad could, that we got introduced to the Swan Song. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. Yeah, that was the reason I called in today. <laughs> <laughs> well, this yeah, is Livewire was. Uh, I mean, back certainly in those days, um, it was very split between like interviews with guests, music segments, and then sketch comedy. And you know, kind of near near my last days with the program, it was very much like host centric. And we're going to kind of build the show around Luke. And we didn't really need as much comedy anymore. And so they kind of started to phase it out. And I kind of saw the writing on the wall there and started my own sketch group with Bath Night. And, you know, up until this last year, I mean, we, we were doing shows. Even when I lived in New York, we were doing shows in Portland once a year. Wow. And, um, and still, I was still kind of able to get out and stretch the sketch comedy muscle that you know, I worked on Livewire for 10 years. You know, we were, we were putting a, a live show out there every two weeks. Wow. The amount of sketches that didn't make it to air, you know, for everyone that did, there was probably seven or eight that weren't good enough. Right. That just, you know, are only exist as a Microsoft doc document on my hard drive. That's cool. But yeah, I mean, you are the first person to, <laughs> to remember and, and recollect Passive aggressive GPS. I think that was a. I think that was a Courtney Hammeister sketch that she wrote. I was, she, yeah, I was, gonna, was, I was wondering if that's when Courtney Hammeister was uh, was doing Livewire as well. Yeah, I think if it, anytime you hear something about, um, you know, an ex boyfriend that you probably shouldn't be going back <laughs> this late at night, it's kind of. Yeah, that was certainly in her wheelhouse. <laughs> it clearly left an impression on me. That's amazing. Well, yeah, it's fun to it's fun to hear. This has been quite the tr- the unexpected surprise and and quite a treat to to have you come on the show with us. So I, I appreciate well, I'm, that. Sean. I'm glad to be here. It's fun to talk about this yeah. uh, this movie that's you know, coming up on eight years old now. Yeah, wow. It, and, yeah, uh, it was fun, and I was I was uh, really trying to uh, convince my co-hosts 
of of my appreciation of this movie, and I told him that uh, I might be able to bring in a third party to uh, to bolster my uh, my impression. Uh, And so I really appreciate you joining us right here at the last second. If you want to learn more about Sean and what he's doing. Uh, go to heysheanmcgrath.com and uh, find out much more about him as well. So, Thanks, guys. A lot of fun. Hopefully hopefully, this has started a trend. I, I love it. Uh, <laughs> I can't you, wait for of you coming on every, to show up on the podcast. A trend of you coming on every week? <laughs> I, I'm all about that. <laughs> <laughs> our, our fourth yeah. co-host. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, if, we, if we talk about Twilight or New Moon, you guys know who to call. There right. we go. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. All right, Sean. guys. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh Uh-oh. Holy cow. You are welcome. (laughs) Wow, Mark. That was amazing. What a delightful guy. Uh, He was great. Yeah. I, I... I reached out literally like 45 minutes before the show and was like, hey... Just by chance, you know, are that, you? And he's like, yeah. Sure. Yeah, that is <laughs> there, great. There was just this little tickle in the back of my mind the whole time I was watching the movie. And I was like, gosh, this guy is just familiar. And, and nothing clicked for me. Oh, that's DB. And it was because it was Livewire. That's, live that's so great. funny. So funny. Yeah. So many local connections and, and uh, kind of ties it all together. So. Right. Yeah. That's great. Well, congrats. That was like our very own cameo. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> yeah. That, now uh, we all of our Patreon uh, for the past like years gone to pay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So how do we even talk about this movie now? Well, I, I don't know if we need to we? say much more other than like, um, I, I, there, there were a couple interesting open ended things like the, uh, the apartment manager, she goes away with her eye injured. There's blood on the bed. I don't, uh, on the pillows. On yeah. The bed. I did wonder what but happened to her. We never that see her again. Apartment. We never see her. <laughs> yeah. She sort of gets abducted halfway through. Maybe the wall abducted her. Right. Uh, or maybe she had another full-time job that she actually had to. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't fit her in this shooting schedule. That's, that <laughs> could be true. Fun. And then uh, what do you think about the ending of this movie? I'm trying to remember uh, now. So um, they, the the art gallery love interest lady takes a sawzall to the wall to kill the wall. To bring her. No, she wants to relocate. That's right. Not kill. You kill. Yeah, she wants to own. And so she's taking the muse out of the wall, taking the wall out and okay. taking the wall I thought back she was, to yeah, be Yeah, she did so say that. You're right. So that she can have it because she's a terrible artist and she wants to make her own art. She keeps her own, she keeps her own terrible art in the, <laughs> in the mop <laughs> janitorial in the mop closet. They have sex. Uh, and, <laughs> Uh, Did you? This is the second Portland at the movies movies that involved exploding blood bags, completely drenched. Oh, I, I kind of wanted to bring up that to Sean of like the blood, sweat, and tears piece. The the precarious mobile that he was physically a part of. Oh uh, yeah, at the, at the very beginning with the blood and the. That's uh, right, because he was dangling from that Emperor, Emperor Palpatine yeah. style. <laughs> I, I honestly thought that was the best piece of art in the whole film. Yeah, totally. No, it, it was. I w- the only, the biggest, I would say, kind of uh, as a macro, as a macro point, we talked about. Um, so there's the hole in the wall in the apartment for everyone that has, still has no idea what this movie is about. So there's a hole in the wall of this one um apartment that he's living in that is a sentient being that sends him messages and in those messages that come out on a little wire there's big globs of like something they look like the pulp of like the inside of a cantaloupe or just something gross he puts those to his terrible mobiles so that they're now terrible mobiles with a weird thing in them which electrifies the art community, which apparently is located outside the federal building in the park block. I said the now we work building. Yes. <laughs> which I thought was great. There was that bustling art scene, uh, there, but, um, I wasn't, Oh, I, so I wasn't, while I liked what came out of the wall, I was hoping that I, 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 I couldn't, translate the appeal that other people were seeing in it. And if we were supposed to believe, Oh, this, this object is 
glamour, like, you know, hypnotizing people or like yeah. the art was still objectively <clears throat> very shitty. And so like, I couldn't quite make that leap. Yeah. And, and I think Sean alluded to that, uh, in, in that, like it's open-ended, we're not explaining the the technology of this art here we're just right. saying that there's a sentient being that that makes things you know magical or right. whatever that, which why well, i would have i would have loved if he would have opened like the pulpy thing and there was like some sort of crystal or like some sort like that is kind of inherently beautiful somehow right. just to I, kind of i kind of thought that it was making a statement the fact that the art like there was almost no difference between before and after the muse it's just sort of like the perception around the art like the same thing could be garbage or it could be art just depending on how you look at it right mm, yeah. oh it's it's very my kid could paint that did anyone right. ever see that documentary <laughs> it's a really good documentary <laughs> uh but the muse also uh, was the inspiration behind many other famous artists. Yes, it's like so, Jackson Pollock, uh, Andy, Andy Warhol, Warhol, and Nagel, who was uh, th- that artist in the 80s that um, he did a lot of Duran Duran covers and like that very, if you'd see a Nagel painting, you'd be like, oh yeah, the night, right. <laughs> like I am in Miami Vice right yeah, now. Exactly. <laughs> so speaking of that, Mark, did you happen to see uh, the one minute short film uh, that the director released called The Whole Diaries. And he was going to, it sounded like he was no. going to a series of like diary entries from the wall talking about all the different artists that the uh, whole. Oh, no, I have not. Years. Wow. So it, it, he only released one. And I honestly wish this had been the whole film, no pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> it was The Whole's Diary about her time working with Thomas Kincaid. <laughs> oh my God. That's incredible. Isn't it? Like what that is the film premise. that needs to be made. Wow. Yes. Except yes. then the wall kills herself because this art is just that bad. <laughs> Saws herself out of the wall oh and goes into a different apartment. Get me out of this abusive relationship. <laughs> That is, that's like a whole animatrix thing of the hole in the wall. That's pretty great. Uh-huh, the whole uh-huh. cinematic universe. Uh, and then wow. the, the very final close of the movie is that he's cleaned out the room. He's moved on to like, I don't want to do this anymore. And uh, they've made peace. And he simply, he, when the movie first starts, the hole is covered by a painting he takes out the painting from that frame and just puts the whole as in being the, the art yeah. uh, of the frame. I did like and that. So, and so it kind of came full circle, uh, honored the art of the whole, if you will. <laughs> it honored the whole. <laughs> it honored the whole and, uh, <laughs> and, and moved on to uh, the whole and also the whole uh cutting off of fingers thing there was a very cutting off fingers thing because didn't the uncle the crazy uncle apparently at some point cut off his fingers that right some other artist some other a, artist. Was a, he was telling a story third artist oh right, that right, right, right it was uh and and so he came across uh you know uh the main character sean's character uh uh came across that artist later towards the end of the movie, they were sitting at a Mac station together, dressed in identical clothes. And so he could see himself oh, in that, that, was that artist. Okay. But he looked down at his fingers and saw they had no, no fingers. fingers, but he had family and he had love and he had connection things that, uh, you know, that, that, uh, he was craving as right. this starving artist with all this, you know, messed up relationship right. with this whole, and so, and then at the end, the gallery artist, after she tries to sawzall the wall out, gets her finger. They had a big fight had a with the scuffle. running sawzall. I'm like, hey guys, just take <laughs> one second to not hold the sawzall while you're wrestling around. And then she slices all her fingers off, which right. was a great either a prop or an effect. I don't know how they did that, but it was it was really cool looking. I'm, yeah, I'm sure it's just a just hand, fake arms, just yeah, like the arms. cheapest thing that looks so great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the one thing, the one thing I didn't understand, maybe one of you can explain, was the uh, opening scene and how that was supposed to relate to. The so, rest of the it I believe that that's the uncle, um, and and so. Oh yeah, okay. that's right. The and guy. So, so the uncle, the scene opens. The, the whole the, movie opens. Yeah, the yeah, movie the, opens. the movie opens, 
in the uncle in bed having this apparent hallucination because it flashes to no longer having this this hallucination where his belly button becomes a hole that he's pulling a chain out of uh and so and then it releases a tremendous amount of blood and and then he he starts screaming and instantly wakes up and it's all all gone and so then his wife is next to him and like what the heck are you doing yeah and so i think that either that's a flashback or uh like there's he's still being he's still being haunted by her or something there's there's his art was all chain chain based (laughs) exactly (laughs) so i wonder uh one uh interesting interpretation of that could be that maybe it's not the whole maybe it is the room and that everyone's experience in the room is different in his experience oh they project what they want onto the whole yeah but i guess that's not the case because the whole talks about being with other artists that's true So, yeah. So there's, I think there's plenty to dissect. Uh, you know, it's, it's not a perfect movie. It's a really low budget movie. I, I did want to mention, I enjoyed it. I did want to mention again. Um, and, and Sean said this too, but the, the actress who does the voice of the wall is named Denise. I don't know how to pronounce her. Poirier, Poirier, P-O-I-R-I-E-R. So it's French, so it's probably none of those letters are pronounced somehow. But she was the voice of Aeon Flux, and she was in, she's been in a ton of stuff. She, well, she was in a, like Seinfeld and Frasier and Murphy Brown, but uh, Princess Mononoke and yeah. uh, Tom McFarlane's Spawn. Uh, she was in a ton Vampire Hunter D, which is kind of an inside joke because I found that VHS once and I have no idea what it was. And so me and Colin's <laughs> brother always joke about getting Vampire Hunter D up on my new YouTube channel. Uh, so she was in that. Um, and so, yeah, she's like legit. Uh, I, I read that the director uh, wrote the script with her voice in mind. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty great. That's she didn't begin acting. Her very first acting role is credited as Seinfeld and then Aeon Flux. So that's an interesting <laughs> an interesting career. Now. Yeah. <laughs> huh. So um wow. I'm trying to see here if I had any any other notes here? Lack of fingers. Yeah. Oh, I did like throughout <laughs> a couple times they had some text on the screen. Yeah. But it was uh late it was like an artist's um description of a piece of art yeah yeah so yeah. it has like a title and like the medium it was made in the year and stuff. right and it was making kind of making commentary on the scene that was happening yeah, yeah yeah i thought that was pretty great too um i did think after the blood bag mobile <laughs> exploded onto everybody i was expecting all of the people to start clapping like it was a triumph but everybody <laughs> everybody was pretty upset that they were covered in, in someone else's blood so <laughs> Uh, there was a hot dog on one of his mobiles, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, well, Mark, I, I think you did it. Uh, I, yeah. I think mind, I've, I've come around. Awesome. <clears throat> Success, victory. Perfect. Love it. Perfect. So go out and, uh, you can go to Vudu. You can go you to can go Tubi. Anywhere. You can go to Amazon Prime. And, and uh, hey, Sean <laughs> McGrath, and that's uh, H-E-Y-S-E-A-N. M-C-G-R-A-T-H dot com. Mm-hmm. Hey, Sean McGrath dot com to find out more about him. But yeah, he was great. Yeah. What a coup. <laughs> I do have to mention, uh, I've got two things to mention uh, okay. that, that are discoveries I made uh, going down the rabbit hole of this movie about other things. Uh, one is I stumbled across this uh, YouTube show called Portland Film Beat. Uh, oh. Mm. been running since 2014. I'm not sure if it is still running, but... There is this guy who talks to people that are active in the Portland uh, film scene. Oh wow! Was it exactly th- what? Was it just for that YouTube channel, or was it something that was like on OPB or something? No, I mean I can't find where it okay. was since other than just YouTube. Okay, what was uh, that called? Uh, Portland Film Beat. Portland Film Beat. Okay, check that out. It, 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 apparently, he did an episode with the director of this film. Oh wow! Oh, wow. Uh, but uh, that episode seems to not be on YouTube anymore. <laughs> Copyright so, claim uh, took it down. Uh, maybe that maybe we will come across uh, that show uh, in the future. But the other thing I came across uh, just going through all of the actors and their filmography. First, I'll say that um, I feel like this movie uh, really starred uh, a lot of folks who we have not had in other Portland films. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. 
filmographies were vastly different. So um, I got like 20 films out of this, <laughs> of other Portland films. Um, the <clears throat> one of note that I wanted to mention is called Stripperland, and it is apparently a shot shot remake of zombie land but the only thing they've changed is that all of the zombies are strippers that's amazing when was that made uh 2011 <laughs> that's amazing uh, we will we will see so, we'll investigate coming, that further <laughs> coming soon we will be talking about stripper land wow well there's there's a guarantees if you ever had one um well thank you everyone for listening to portland at the movies and thank you for our patrons who are continually uh helping us put this show together um we'll have a another episode in a couple weeks to to get back on schedule so thanks for your patience uh you can hear us on funemploymentradio.com uh so check them out and check out geek in the city as well uh other than that um i'll probably play whatever is playing over the credits of this movie as we go away all right well thanks for to sean mcgrath for joining us and uh, we will talk to you next time bye awesome bye